Church, let's open up our Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 11, Matthew chapter 11, and Job chapter 1. Uh, about a month ago, <laughs> seems like forever ago, um, I started this, this message and barely got through a, the introduction. So I'm going to try to get a little bit farther this morning. And there's quite a bit of scripture that goes along with this message, but we're not going to read it all. I'm just going to try to hit the uh, a verse here and there that I, I feel like we need to to make sure that we read. <clears throat> but before we read our scripture this morning, I I want to read to you a quote that I read just this morning that that really uh, uh, complements the things that I want to share with you today. And this is a quote from C.S. Lewis, one of my favorite authors. He said, the great thing, if one can, is to stop regarding all the unpleasant things as interruptions of one's own or real life. The truth is, of course, that what one calls the interruptions are precisely one's real life, the life that God is sending one day by day. What he's saying there is that sometimes our lives are interrupted and we don't like it because we want our lives to go a certain way. But these interruptions that God sends our way are exactly the life that he wants for us to live. Reminding us that the momentary interruptions of the present are in fact part of God's best plan for us. So as we look back over this past year and we see uh, so many things that have happened to us as a nation, as, as a church, as a family, do we see the things that have happened to us as God's best, God's best plan for us? Is it, is it an easy thing for us to do? Um, like I said, many, there are many, you know, when... When one of our families here loses a loved one, we all lose them, don't we? Uh, we, we all feel that. Um, but there are several families here that have lost uh, a mother, a father, a husband. Um, can we look at those interruptions or those unexpected losses as God's best plan for us? Is that a possibility? The God who gives and the God who takes away. Can we say, blessed be his name? Blessed be your name. I want to talk today about unexpected losses. And what do we do with those? How, how do we deal with those? Let's look first in Matthew chapter 11. I'm going to, read, I'm going to go ahead and read uh, beginning with verse number 28, David. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I cannot read that scripture without hearing that song that we used to sing, uh, Come Unto Me. How many of y'all remember that? Yeah, are you, not, are you not hearing it in your head right now? We sang that a million times, I know. Uh, 
but that song helped me to to learn these verses and these are some of the most precious verses that you and I as children of God will be able to read because it helps us to understand that in the middle of these interruptions and these unexpected losses we can experience something called rest that is only available through a relationship with this this baby king that came like a winter snow and that rest is a precious rest that is a gift to, to you and me all right let's go to job chapter one i'm going to begin with verse number six i'll be jumping around a little bit here but verse number six now there was a day when the sons of god came to present themselves before the lord and satan came also among them and the lord said unto satan Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Verse 10 Hast not thou made an hedge about him, and about his house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand so satan went forth from the presence of the lord and from there we read verses that that explain all the loss all the unexpected loss that job experienced um and and all the devastation that that he went through i want us to jump to verse number 20 then job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground, and worshipped, and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. So, we see in Job's life a lot of unexpected loss. A lot of unexpected loss. And for us, loss can come in a lot of different forms. It can come in the loss of a, of a loved one. Uh, it can come in the loss of a job or a marriage, a relationship. Um, I, lost, I lost a couple of toes. Uh, we, we all experience unexpected loss in our lives. And, and obviously one of the first things that may come to our mind is to ask the question, why? Why me? Why is this happening to me? What have I done to deserve this? And we should know the answer to that. The answer to that is nothing. Nothing. It's, here's the bottom line. There is nothing in the Bible that says that life is going to be fair. Nothing. And yet, even these thousands of years later 
after Scripture has been written. And as, as we become uh, students of the Word of God, we still have within us this thought, this idea, this, even this hope that, that, you know, maybe life will be fair for me. If I live a certain way, if I do certain things, maybe life will be a little bit more fair, a little bit more tolerable for me. But that's not biblical. If you look in Ecclesiastes 8, verse 14, that's not going to come up. But if you look there, we shared this the last time we were to, I was with you. Uh, it tells us there that there is something meaningless that happens in this world. And that is that the righteous man gets what the wicked man deserves and that the wicked man gets what the righteous man deserves. Now, if you believe that that is fair, raise your hand. That's what we can expect. That's the expectation of life. That's what Scripture tells us we can expect. And it's wrong for us to think that if I go through life doing what's right, then everything is going to go well for me. It's, it's wrong for us to say that and to think that because that is not biblical. And to make matters worse, we have an adversary who wants to devour us. Not only does he want to devour us as individuals, he wants to devour us as a church. He prowls around like a lion. And we've read about him in the story of Job. God had a conversation in heaven with him. And his name is Satan. And he wants to devour you and he wants to devour me. And he wants to devour this church. He hates this church. He hates you. He hates the love that you show to one another. He hates the love that you go out and show the world. He wants to devour you. And he wants these losses that, that happen in every life because every life you, is, you are going to experience loss. Everybody. And he wants these losses to devour you. He wants these losses to be what dictates your behavior. He doesn't want you to live above or make it through this loss. He wants you to become upset and angry and bitter. And he wants the loss that you experience in your life to devour you. That's, that's his whole plan. And we cannot let that happen. What you and I have got to do is this. We've got to allow Jesus to be Lord in our situations. We can't take matters into our own hands. I've done it, and I've, and I've made horrible mistakes. I've got to allow Jesus to be Lord even in my losses and the unexpected things that take place in my life. See, I can either use my losses as an excuse to keep from becoming what God wants me to become, or I can allow Him to make changes in my life through these losses so that I can become more like Him. Isn't that our goal? To be more like Him. To be more like Jesus. Did Jesus experience loss in His life? Absolutely He did. And our, our goal as Christians should be to become more and more like him and we can even as we experience loss but speaking of loss one of the best 
people to look at in Scripture when seeing how we need to handle loss is Job. Because Job experienced tremendous, tremendous loss. He basically lost everything, didn't he? And when we first meet Job in Scripture, we find out that he was walking as close to God as anybody. He was walking close to God. And God loved Job, and God was bragging on Job a little bit there, wasn't he? Have you considered my servant Job? Look at, look at him. Look at how he lives his life. Look at what he thinks of me. Look at how closely we walk together. And you ha if you look at Job's life, you will see God's blessings on his life. Because he had, if it could be had, Job had it. You know, he had family. He had livestock. Uh, he, had, he had property. He had it all. He had really basically anything that anybody could have wanted back then. And so here's what you and I can fall. Here's the trap that you and I can fall into. If I walk as closely with God as Job did, then God is going to bless me just like he blessed Job. But again, never in Scripture are we encouraged to be more like Job. Never in Scripture are we encouraged to be more like Paul or, or Mark or John or Mary. Who does Scripture encourage us to be more like? Jesus. That's who you and I are trying to emulate. That's who you and I want to be like. The man himself, the God himself, Jesus Christ. And so... To become more like Jesus, do you think it would be expected of God to cause us to go down some of the same roads that Jesus had to go down? To experience some of the same things that Jesus had to experience so that we can become more like him. You know, we need to, we need to learn how to take these unexpected losses and and allow God to build a Christ-like character in our lives. And we have to do that by allowing God to be God in our situations. And I'm telling you, these losses really hurt. You can't go through loss and not hurt, especially the loss of a loved one. Uh, someone who you have spent so much time with and 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 invested so much time in it it hurts but god can use that loss to to cause you to become more christ-like if we allow that to happen now let's look at job again for just a second at one moment he had everything and then it seemed like just a few moments later everything was gone and scripture gives us warnings about things like this also in the book of Ecclesiastes, we're told in chapter 9 that people can never predict when hard times might come. Like fish in a net or birds in a snare, people are often caught by a sudden tragedy. And this happened to Job. And you know, Job knew what happened to him. He knew what was going on because people were coming to him and were telling him, this has happened, this has happened, this has been destroyed, these, these have been killed. 
He knew what had happened. But did he know why it happened? Did he understand why these things were happening? You know, some things are going to happen to us, and we're not going to know why they happened to us. And we've got to be okay with that. You know, we, we talk about how when we get to heaven, uh, we've got a list of questions. I mentioned this the last time. A list of questions that we want to ask God, you know, about this and about that. Do you really think that when you are standing before God, when you are face to face, when your faith is made sight, do you really think that this list of questions that you have on your mind are going to be that important? You're not even going to remember how horrible 2020 was. Amen? Because it's just going to be, it's just going to be awesome. Um, but Job, you know, he knew what had happened, but he didn't know why it had happened. He didn't know about this conversation that had taken place in heaven between God and Satan. He didn't know that God had said to Satan, Hey, have you considered Job and how much Job loves me? And how much Job worships me? And he didn't know that, that Satan's response was, Hey, give me a break. The only reason that he worships you is because of all the stuff that you've given him. You're basically bribing him to worship you. But I tell you what, God, let me take control of everything that he has and watch him curse you. That was Satan's intention because he probably thought that's exactly what would happen. God, if we remove all the blessing from Job's life, he will curse you. There's no way that he will worship you. And so God says, okay, you can take, you can touch everything that he has, but you cannot touch him. Touch everything that he has, but you cannot touch him. And Satan, it's like, almost like Satan couldn't wait. And he, would, he, he took this from Job. And, and as we read through the Scripture, it's almost like things happened within minutes of each other. He took this from Job. And then Job found out he'd lost this. And he'd lost that. And he kept losing this. And he, and he kept losing that. And how do you think Job felt when he, when he lost everything? When he lost his family? When he lost his children? When he lost his grandchildren? Do you think it hurt Job to experience this? It absolutely did. It had to. It had to hurt him. A couple of things I want us to, to, to realize when we think about the stress of losing things that are important to us. And this is always true. And this first one is this. That the same God that was sitting on the throne the day before you experienced your loss is the same God that is sitting on the throne when you experience your loss and the same God that's sitting on the throne the day after you experience your loss. He is Almighty God at all times. Amen? Always, always. And our enemy, Satan, cannot do anything without God's permission. Our enemy cannot do anything without God's permission. Do you think that Satan could have done what he did to Job without God allowing it? Then why would God allow it? 
because it was part of God's best plan for Job's life. I want to read to you um, John chapter 14, verse 20. It says, At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. What that explains is not only do we dwell in the Father, but He dwells within us, okay? We, are dwell, we, are, we, we dwell in, but we are indwelt as well. So what that means is that anything that comes to me from the enemy, it has to go through Him, and then it hits me, and when it hits me, it finds me full of Him. And so I am prepared, I'm already prepared and ready for anything, any loss, any unexpected thing that would happen. And again, I say that Satan cannot do anything to you or to me without God's permission. And that's proven in John 14, 20. When, when I'm attacked, it has to come through him. And then when it gets to me, it finds me full of him. So I am prepared and ready for anything as a child of God. Amen? How about you? Does that work for you as well? If you have Christ in you, if, you have, if you're in Christ and Christ is in you, then are you, are you prepared and ready for anything? I think that's what Scripture is telling us. So, so God is in control. God is on the throne. Things may be different. And things may be harder. Yeah, we, we experience that. But he is still on the throne. As I was in the hospital room, uh, and I was in the hospital at the 1st of November, and then I was in the hospital again in December, and I was there, and I'm like, what am I, why am I here again? And, you know, I was doing infusions, antibiotic infusions, so I was going to the hospital every single day for six weeks, and, you know, that, that wears on a person. And they wanted me to come into the hospital in a wheelchair. You know, I, Joe and I were talking earlier. I feel like I'm more than capable of walking around on two feet. But they don't want me to walk a lot on two feet. I can walk some. But if I got a lot of moving around to do, they want me to do it in a wheelchair. Because things that are fusing together and healing, don't, we don't want them to come apart. But as I was laying, especially the first or second night in the hospital after I was diagnosed with COVID, and you, ju and you just feel horrible, um, <laughs> I was like, okay, Lord, this is hard. I don't want to be here. I want to be at home with my family. We've got Christmas to get ready for. Um, and I, I'm not going to be able to see my family for a week. And, and then when Sandy... Uh, went to the emergency room and they admitted her and then I thought well then there's another week I'm not going to be able to see her and you know you're just sitting here thinking this is hard this is difficult and you know what he said to me I know but you are not alone I am with you and that's all I needed and you're like you're crazy you're just saying that because you're a preacher and no I'm not because I I know if you've ever been in a hospital room in the middle of the night 
and you're in between them coming in to take blood or check your blood pressure or whatever, it's, that's a lonely time. That's a lonely stretch. Because you think to yourself, why go to sleep? Because they're just going to wake me up again. And so you got a lot of time to sit there, lay there, and think. And, you know, you would get up and pace the floor, but you've got an IV in this arm, oxygen up your nose, and your finger is taped to an oxidizer or whatever, and you can't move, and you're, you're not supposed to get up and walk anyway. So here you are. I mean, just imagine it. Go ahead and laugh. I know you want to because it was funny. It really was. And then let's talk about going to the bathroom. Let's not. But, you know, you're, you're there and you're like, okay, Lord, <laughs> you know, what, you know, and, and I'm like, this is hard. This is difficult. I, I got a church I need to pastor. I got a, a family that I want to be with. And I feel like it's being taken from me. You give and you take away. You give and you take away. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop right here because there's so much more that I want to share with you and I don't want to rush through it. But I want you to bow your heads for just a moment. And I want to share with you a story that I read. And I'm, I'm not going to pull the, uh, the names from my notes here. I'm just going to share this story with you about a man in World War II who was, who was a young man. And during the war, they didn't have any way to wash their clothes. And so they were concerned because, you know, gas was being rationed. So they couldn't drive to go get their clothes washed. And they didn't have any way to get their clothes washed. But they had a neighbor who was, who was going to have to li go live with family members. And they had a washing machine on their front porch. And they said, hey, why don't you just take our washing machine? Why don't you take our washing machine? And rather than it sit on our porch and rust, why don't you take it and use it until we come back home? And this young man was so excited because they were going to be able to wear clean clothes. And he even got involved in washing the clothes and helping the family get the clothes clean. And he thought, what a gift. What a precious gift. And the, the end of the war came and the family moved back in. And they took their washing machine back. And the young man got, got really upset because he wanted to keep that washing machine and he thought how how awful for us to to lose this washing machine that's only way we had to get keep our clothes clean and that 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 situation remained with him he remembered that the rest of his life and as he got older and as he got married um he and his wife had a a little girl and this little girl had leukemia and this little girl died from leukemia. And as he thought about how hard it was to lose his daughter, he remembered that washing machine and how hard it was to lose that washing machine. And then he remembered something that his mother had told him. And it was this, that that washing machine was a gift. And 
it was a blessing to be able to enjoy that gift for a while. But it had to be returned because it didn't belong to us. And he applied that same principle to his daughter. That, that little girl was a gift from God. And what precious times they had when they were together. But the God who gives and the God who takes away had made a decision that it was time for that little girl to leave this earth. And so he chose to, to not be bitter and angry and upset. He realized that this interruption that took place in his life was God's best plan for him because he was able to help so many other people who lost loved ones to see that the time that they had was, was a gift from God to cherish that because people don't belong to us. And I have to apply those, that same principle in my own life. You know, whatever good thing that comes into my life, Scripture says every good and perfect gift comes from Him. And, they, and that's exactly what it is. It is a gift. And if He so chooses to take that from me, then it is for a reason that... I may or may not know at that moment, but I believe that if I trust in him, he will reveal that purpose to me. I think about my dad, and I think about the gift that he was, but it was his time to go, and the Lord took him. I think about parts of my body that I feel like I, you know, I need because they're there, but they've been taken for whatever reason it's okay he gives and he takes away i think about a, a holiday season christmas traditions things that we look forward to every year and because of sickness and things like that those things have been taken from me this year but that's okay because it's part of god's best plan for my life and what he is showing me and what he is revealing to me is that he knows what he's doing and he is on the throne and even if i never get an explanation for what's happening in my life he is still worthy to be, be praised and what should be uttered from my lips and yours is blessed be the name of the lord this morning as we prepare to pray and dismiss, I want you to think again, we did this the last time we were together, I want you to think again of loss that has taken place in your life. And I want you to think about how being able to have that person or that thing in your life, what a gift it was. And it is a gift that continues to give because of memories that you have. And I want, you to, I want you to think about the God that gives and the God that takes away and how he has a plan for your life. We know that from Jeremiah 29, 11. He has plans for you. And they are good plans.
I don't want you to think about how all of that works together in his plan for your life as he is working things out for your good. And he's doing it because he loves you. And he never stops. What is your response to that? What is my response to that? Do I love him like I should love him? Do I bless his name like I should bless his name? Even in the midst of loss, unexpected loss, am I willing to say blessed be the name? of the Lord.